The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. After a retreat long break, which was just one Sunday, we are back on our sermon series from Genesis 12 to 25, and we're going to enter into the next chapter. And as much as I wish, there's a part of me at least, that this didn't come next. This is what comes next. And it is difficult to to hear this lesson, but God's response to it is just amazing. So I want to read it. It's on page 10 in your bulletins if you're with us here at the church. If you're with us at home and listening in, Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 16 and keep them open there. Here's what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai took his wife, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slate slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, and so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This is the word of the Lord. As a pastor, sometimes I hear the stories. Pastor, 
when my dad started to drink, well, I can't finish that story. Pastor, when my dad remarried, it was a real life Cinderella story. The wicked stepmother. Pastor, I don't feel safe around my own son. Pastor, my daughter is different now than she ever was before. I hear the stories. Stories that we can't finish here in the church. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to bring them up today because I know, I get it, that, that when you bring up a thing like that, it's like kicking mud at the bottom of the lake and then your heart gets all muddy for a second. You can't think anymore. But I think it, there's an equally opposite danger that, that we can bury these things. That, that we can actually act like they don't happen. We can silence them. And, and I think that's just as dangerous, isn't it? You know what the statistics say? One in three women will experience domestic violence sexually or physically with an intimate partner. One in three. And it's just not women either. It's men that can suffer the violence or even emotional abuse as well. I mean, if I've heard the stories, then maybe you have too. Is it obvious why, why this is coming up today? I, I hope it is. It's, it's not that I like talking about these things. I don't, but it's here. It's right here. This, this story in front of us, it's a monstrosity, isn't it? On like so many levels, misogyny, institutionalized slavery, right? What else? Forced surrogacy. Like, and then the use, abuse, at least mistreatment of a woman in this text. I mean, this is an absolute monstrosity. And so sometimes, like, when it comes along and we get to Genesis chapter 16, we got to talk about it. We have to raise the subject. We have to look at it as much as it pains us to do it. And this is my hope. This is my deep prayer in doing so, that, that not only would we see it, but that we would let God use it for His spiritual and great saving purposes. Because God can even use that deep wickedness to save. So this is what I want to do this morning. We want to look at this in three different ways. We want to be able to see Hagar deeper. We want to be able to see Hagar 
further, three parts, and then we want to be able to see Hagar also higher. And I'll explain myself as we go along the way. First of all, we want to be able to see her deeper. We want to actually see what she went through. Now, as you look at Abram and Sarah here in this lesson, even if we impute to them the very best motives, this is wrong. Like, like what if Sarah was just thinking to herself, you know, maybe I'm the obstacle to God's saving plan to send a Messiah through Abram. Maybe, maybe I just got to like minus myself out of the equation and find some other woman to carry the air. What it, maybe that was for her pure and highest motive, but even then we can't excuse it. And maybe we could we can impute to, to Abram the highest motives, like there's no lust involved whatsoever. And he's thinking to himself, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had to do. We give him the pu most pure motives that, that he's thinking to himself, and he maybe even says out loud to Sarah, Sarah, if you say so, but I'll only do it once, twice, three times max. But, but you're the only one for me, Sarai. Like, what if we gave to them the highest, purest, most divine motive, but still, this is wrong. To invite a third party into your marriage? Look, they didn't even bother to ask Hagar. They didn't say, look, hey, Hagar, come on over here. We're thinking about this, you know. Would you be okay if just one time Abram came in? We need to do this. We, we want to help God save the world. Like, they didn't even have a conversation about it. Like, this is happening. Do you see what they did to Hagar? They flattened her out. They dehumanized her. They made her nothing less and nothing more than a walking womb. They used Hagar. And then they abused her. Now, this is inconvenient. I wrote about this um, in, in the weekly email, but this is inconvenient that, that Hagar's not blameless and spotless and all this. It says that she despised Sarai, right? So may, it could have been, she could have despised Hagar maybe for the first time. She's walking by Sarai and she looks her in the eyes. Because you weren't supposed to do that scene in Eastern culture if you're below somebody. But now she's, she felt okay with it. I'm pregnant with Abram's child, so I'm going to look you in the eyes. And then, and then Sarai runs to Abram and says, it's your fault. Isn't that ironic? And Abram says, just do what you want with her. She's in your hands. And then so she did. You see what, it, see what it says that she did to Hagar? Verse 6. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. Mistreated. That word, mistreated, covers a lot of semantic ground, right? It could have been that, that Sarai said to Hagar, you, you have to do the most menial task. Like you have to cook and clean and all of a sudden it could have been that or it could have been a whole lot worse. Like physical beatings or something like that. We don't know. 
But I can tell you this. This is the same word that Moses uses to describe the treatment of the Egyptians during their 400 years of slavery. This is bad. Use, abuse, mistreatment, give it whatever you name that you want. But we need to see, remember I told you I wanted to see deeper what happened to Hagar. And this is why. Sometimes I think that we think that these kinds of things aren't possible for Christian people. Mistreatment, abuse, domestic violence. But they are. This couple, you might say, could be, and arguably, if we're going to follow Hebrews chapter 11, like they could be on the Mount Rushmore of the heroes of faith. Like Abram is the father of faith along with Sarai, but here they are in their worst moments. You need to know this, that Christian people never get to set aside, not even for a moment, their worst original nature. It's always there, like cling to us tenaciously, and so we're always capable of treating people and dehumanizing them and flattening them out. True. Whether you like it or not, and it is wrong, full stop. Now, some people, some people will say, Well, this is why I can't get involved with the Christian church. Don't they say that? Like Christians have done and continue to do the worst types of things. And the Bible's answer to that is you're right. Like, did the Holy Spirit just sweep it under the rug? It's right there in, in plain, plain language. The, the Bible's answer is you're right, but also, doesn't that also prove the need for Christianity? I mean, where can people like us, where can people like us who daily prove their need for redemption receive it? Only in Christ. Only in the blood of the Lamb that has been shed for you. We need to see that. We need to see deeper. But not just deeper. Also further. Also further. Now, the story continues in a beautiful way. <laughs> like, I wish you could see it. I'm going to try to help see it. But there's a first here in the Bible that is just earthquaking. Like, the very first time that Jesus shows up in the Bible is right here. And he shows up, not for Abram and Sarai, but for Hagar. I can prove it to you. The angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, not an angel, the angel of the Lord, who can do stuff like this. Look at, um, look at verse 10. I will increase your descendants so much 
that they will be too numerous to count. Who, who's the only one that can do that? God himself. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is, here's a technical word, this is a Christophany. <laughs> this is Jesus who for the first time on the pages of Holy Scripture shows up visibly, not incarnate like you'll later do for us, which is so amazing, but visibly showing up for who? For Hagar. You see, God is provoked. When, when he sees someone mistreated, abused, domestic violence, God is provoked and he shows up in the most tender way. You look, look at it. Abram, this is just to do a little bit of comparison. Abram and Sarai, they're like, they, they don't even bother to have a conversation with Hagar about it. But what does Jesus do? He comes up conversationally. And he says, he sees her, and he speaks with her, and he says, Hagar, where are you going, and where have you come from? This is not Mount Sinai. This is not God burning on a mountain. This is conversational. This, this is relational. This is loving and tender. You see Jesus. Jesus, he knows how to love women. Where we so, men, we fail in this. But Jesus knows how to love women. There he is. He's having this conversation with them. This, this amazing moment. And then he says this. This is, this, is, this is something that offends us, I think, as a modern audience. This is, this is a little bit offensive. We have to kind of unpack this together. Jesus says to Hagar in this very tender moment, he says to her, go back. Tells her to go back to slavery. He tells her to endure whatever's back there for her with Abram and Sarah. He tells her to trust the plan. Go back. Now, I want to say a couple of things about this. God is my witness, and some of you are too. Some of you I've spoken with going through domestic abuse and violence, verbal or otherwise, and I have never told you to go back. God's my witness, and so are you. God has loved us Better than that. I, I cannot believe that Jesus is sending her back to abuse. I just can't. We're, I'm going to tell you why in just a second. And that's not the message that I want you to walk away with here. But I do want to say this. This is the second thing I want to say about this. So that we can see further. Sometimes I think that the littlest things, and I'm not saying that this is little what she's suffering. We're in a relationship. We suffer a little thing like and you can categorize that in your own mind. And we think, and I've heard it, God wants me to be happy. Have you heard that before? He just, so I'm done. Like I'm out. 
And as uncomfortable as it, it is for us to face this, here's the truth. God is less interested in your comfort and in your happiness than he is in your spiritual growth. So sometimes he's going to send you back into rather uncomfortable circumstances. Sometimes he's going to say, you know, think less about your happiness and think more about how you're going to learn patience. How your character is going to be strengthened in this. See, Jesus, and the only reason we can trust that, the only reason is because our Savior Jesus, who's giving this word, went to the cross and back for us. He wants nothing but good for us. And he loves us deeply. So we need to see further. We need to see further past, present circumstances to see all that God is purposing and causing to come out of whatever it is that you're suffering. We need to see further, but we also need to see higher. And I trust me when I say this, God does not send Hagar back to abuse. We're going to see that now. What God says to Hagar next is just incredible. He says, Hagar, this is what Jesus says. He says, Hagar, and this is to all of us who are on the margins, all of us who have suffered these things. God says, I see you. And I hear you. Which is that's an incredible thing. In fact, in fact, Hagar, the way I see it, she's kind of she's kind of like, Jesus, you really want me to go back? And so she says nothing. Right? She, it's not like she's immediately obedient in the lesson, is she? Like Jesus is going to lay word of promise upon word of promise until Hagar finally says, you really do see me. And I want to just point out two things the way that God sees Hagar. The first thing that he does, this is huge, is he gives, in modern day parlance, we would call it a gender reveal. <laughs> because, look, I, I think we don't realize this, but there's no sonograms going on here. Not yet, not, not in ancient biblical times. So he, he goes to Hagar and he says, Hagar, you're going to have a son. So this is going to be a proof before Abram and Sarah that God appeared to him. And then he says, you're going to call this son Ishmael. God hears. Now let's see if we can get this <laughs> This message is going to cut two ways. One way for, for Hagar, it's going to cut like this. Hagar, let the world know that God sees you, that God hears you, that God loves you, that God's going to protect you, that God has your best interests at heart. Let the world know it, Hagar. That's beautiful. Because what else does... Does the used and the abused and the mistreated need more than that? Just to be seen, just to be heard, just to be understood and to be loved. This message, though, cuts the opposite way, though, for the abusers in the lesson. I want you to picture Hagar going back and saying to Abram and, Hera, and, and Sarai, God appeared to me. Can you imagine this? Sarah's mistreating her. She goes back. She says, I'm back. Didn't want to be, but I'm here because God appeared to me. And here's the proof. I'm going to have a son. 
And we're going to call him Ishmael because God saw me and God heard me. Now, picture Abram and Sarah. They're, they're standing there and they're like, whoa. God saw it. And God heard it. Hmm. Now, I understand they could have just dismissed that. They could have been like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not worried about the big man upstairs. I doubt it. In fact, Abram uses the name. It, it, does, it doesn't say it in the lesson. It doesn't say it. But I think, this is an opinion thing, but I think that after this, Sarah, I didn't touch her anymore. You see that? God sends her back, but with a shield around her, with the gender reveal and a promise that God hears and sees. Now, um, for, for all the Hagars out there, I want you to be so encouraged today. God sees you. And God hears you. And the thing that will bring Jesus down the quickest from heaven are the used and the abused, whether spiritually or otherwise. That's why he shows up in the first place. Now, for the Sarai's and Abrams of the world, I'll just say this. God hears you too. And he sees you too. Now, this subject deserves so much more. It really does. Um, but we got to let it go today. <laughs> we got to let it go with just this. And hopefully you've made a good beginning into the subject. That we need to see Hagar deeper. We need to be able to see Hagar further and also higher. Amen.